three, two, one. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Failure Friday. Today we have my friend Erica Keedlin and she is a beauty expert, mentor, and industry ambassador. She is also owner of Studio Sage Hair Salon, a popular hair salon based here out of Jack's Beach. And we don't really have a interesting story of how we met. I think Mariel Ben got us connected. It was one of the very few times I ever get my hair done. And Erica's just one of those people that you look at. And when you're from Jacksonville, Florida, there's not that many super interesting people. And she just like reeks of a good story. So it was just, for me at least, an instant connection. Um, but thank you for coming. Why don't you introduce yourself thank and- you. Thank you for talk. having me. And I, you're the first time I met you, I had the honor of doing your hair. And yeah. yes, Mary who introduced us. And that was a great, great introduction. And I, I love doing hair. That's, I was able to find an industry that I actually really love and I've been able to make money at. So that was, I'm blessed there. You definitely are and you're very talented at it. You can, uh, we're gonna link all of her social media, which you'll be able to see for yourself that she's incredibly talented at it. But uh, I would say your specialty would be color, right? Yeah, I, I would get, color is what I feel like I'm known for. Um, I like to not limit myself. I do do a lot of cutting. I do a lot of continuous education and cutting, but color is definitely what I feel like I'm more natural at and what I'm known for. Um, if I had to choose, I would definitely choose color, but I love cutting. Um, styling, I like styling. I am not your bridal stylist, um, but no. finishing a haircut and doing a nice finish, I can do that also. Um, and you know, really, this day and age, we're working with a lot of natural textures, not changing your texture. And I really am loving embracing that part of our industry too. So a lot of my textured curly girls, I am enjoying doing their hair these days. Yes, so that's actually an interesting story. My, my nanny is biracial, like my children. And I wanted to give her a, a just because we appreciate you so much gift. And I went on Instagram and was hashtagging natural hair and all this stuff. And I, this was af years after we had already met. And I came across your salon and that's where I ended up buying her a gift card was with one of your girls uh, awesome. to get her hair done. It was awesome. It was just another reason to circle back with you because there's just not many people that are that know how to deal with that hair. Well, and when we opened our salon, I do have a business partner, my, well, my husband, and then we have a, another business partner. We didn't want, and this was before 2000 or 2020, we didn't want a segregated salon. A lot of salons are, you know, do kind of one or the other. We wanted everybody to feel comfortable in our salon. So we really have got, we've got, we had two stylists, one of them has now left, but that really focus on textured hair. And then after 2020, I think it really has became a lot more popular now. So that was kind of our goal and we want everybody to feel comfortable in our salon. And I don't like, if your hair's straight, I'm not trying to permit. I want to teach you how to love your hair. And the same thing with textured hair. If you've got textured hair, I don't want you to think you have to straighten your hair. Everybody has beautiful hair and it normally looks best the way it comes out of your head. It's just teaching people how to take care of their hair and do it on a daily basis that's the problem. I don't want to teach people to change themselves. I want to teach them to love themselves for who they are. Ooh, that's beautiful. That almost sound practice. That was like poetry because pretty natural. But that I'm was gonna... our original our original idea of opening our salon. And then after 2020, it really, really changed. You know, like I love seeing 
for example, on the, the local news stations, you see a lot of natural hair now. Yes. Where I never noticed it before until 2020 happened because I just look at everybody and I like hair, you know, but it is really noticeable now because a lot more women are wearing their natural hair or wearing protective styles. And mm -hmm. so that I really want to go for that. We do not have, we don't have a braider right now, but I would love to have a braider or somebody that can do protective styles. Um, but we just, we do a lot of natural. And yes, your children, I'm sh they have beautiful curly hair. So oh yeah, and I'm bringing them in when they're big enough. Oh, that that braider would be a game changer. Even like a class for us moms who have biracial children who didn't grow up knowing how to braid. I mean, I'm constantly on YouTube. It just is not. It's a whole new world for me that I've had to immerse myself in. And there's other women that probably don't have the time to or the knowledge to even sit down and do that. But I'm Actually, so we thankful. We do have for a that. braider coming in in March. Um, you do. She, now I will say she's more of like a cornrow edgy braider, like she's your Instagram famous braider. Um, but we do have her coming in March and I'll let you know when she comes in because she is incredible. But she is definitely your hardcore cornrow, like beautiful, beautiful braids. Um, but yeah. Have we, her teach a class, Erica. She is, she's coming in to teach a class. And that oh. may be something I could have two classes, like a professional class and then a mom class. Because we oh, have a large... Sure. We have a large biracial um, clientele at the salon because of our natural texture stylist. Oh, I think it's, I think that's great. And it's not, you're right. Like you are starting to see more natural hairstyles on the news before people were not hired because of that. So it's pretty cool that that is more accepted now. Even our own news anchors, I, I've noticed it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's so, it's kind of my ignorance because I always have just looked at people's hair and, and appreciated however they wore it but you do see it now. And, and honestly, I see a lot of women with super texture hair that come into the salon. Like there was one the other day and her hair was so beautiful. And she, was, she had let it go natural for like three years now, but her husband didn't like it. And oh. it just, it broke my heart because Leave she them, really sis. only, she only wanted to wear her hair natural, but her husband was already in that mindset. And they're probably a little bit older. I'd say they're at least my age. They're not like the 20 generation. They're the 40 plus generation. And he's still stuck in his old ways, you know, because unfortunately back in the day, and I didn't realize this because I didn't have textured hair. I do have like a, a light curl, but women were told it wasn't acceptable. Right. Um, and that's been embedded in a lot of people's hair and, or in a lot of people's mind. And I just, I really want people to embrace what they have. Um, and I like message. to teach them how to do that. Oh my gosh, this shirt makes me look like a Labradoodle. Mm. <laughs> I, don't even, I hadn't even seen what you look like because Alan had the phone the whole time. I mean, I've got oh. on a tie-dye. I didn't get dressed up for this. I may oh, be in the glad. beauty industry, but this is my week off, so. Oh, well, you know, good for you. I tried to be festive and <laughs> like a fucking dog. Okay. So what drew you specifically to the <laughs> cheers, seriously? What drew you to the beauty industry? How did you end up here? I remember you telling me this story and it's, it, if I recall correctly, it's kind of dark. Well, honestly, I, hair was, was, was what I was always drawn to. It was like my natural given talent. School was not. So growing up, I was diagnosed with dyslexia, ADD in first grade, which in the early eighties was wow. very uncommon. Yeah. And I just struggled through school, but hair was something that I was always really good at and I was really drawn to. 
And fortunately, I had parents that they did not think I should go to hair school, but they allowed me to. And I kind of lied in the beginning and said, well, I'll go to college if you let me do hair school first, and that'll be a good way for me to, to have a side job during college. Honestly, I never knew I was never going to college. I barely graduated high school. Like literally the week of graduation was when I found out if I could graduate because at that point I had really given up on school because I knew I wanted to do hair. And I knew going into hair school, I didn't need a um, SAT score. You know, it was something that I could do. It was just a trade school. And I, I luckily, and thank God my parents supported me in this because a lot of hairdressers don't have this story. Their parents forced them to go to college first. They never go to college, they flunk out. And then their parents never help, help them go to hair school. I was fortunate enough. I went to a very inexpensive hair school. I worked on my parents' farm. I'm a farm girl. I grew up in a on a farm that's been in my family since like the 1800s. And I knew I wanted to get off that. My parents were poor farmers and I never knew how poor they were, but now in the real world, I realize how hard they really worked to give me everything, like a food on the table and clothes on my back. Um, and I just, I wanted to get out of there. I now really respect how I grew up, but at 18, 19, I didn't respect it. And so I really, really, my drive was to get off that farm. So as soon as I got done with hair school, I found a job in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And I had a couple girlfriends that went to college there. So I went there and did hair. And after like my second year of doing hair, my mom did my taxes and she was like, you made more than I did this year, you're fine. <laughs> you know, like she then accepted that I was gonna be a hairdresser. And, you know, honestly, when she died four years ago, I was the happiest. I mean, all my brothers and sisters are very happy. I would never say that they're not, but I actually have a, a business that I run that I'm really passionate about. It's not just a job where my brothers and sisters have just jobs, you know, that, that they've done for 20 years now. And it was a career or 30 years now, but I have like a true passion. Yeah. I, I don't think a lot of people have the privilege of, I'm in the same boat where I'm genuinely very passionate about what I like every day I go to work it doesn't feel like work it honestly feels like I'm kind of like beating the system by getting to leave home and, and go you to can work. tell that by your social media you were and, and and when I've talked to you about stuff you were so passionate about this and your husband's lucky too because he gets to do what he loves to do so that's a really happy relationship in my opinion I mean like it is it's and so nice and I know that it's it's 2021, but I, I still feel so appreciative to have a husband, which you do too, that supports our drive. Like if I if I call my husband, he might be annoyed. I don't want to make it seem like he's perfect, y'all. But like if I call him, be like, hey, I got I got shit to do. I'm not gonna be able to come home until like 10 p.m. tonight. Can you please put the kids down? It's not. I don't get home and he's not talking to me or giving me the cold shoulder, and I'm just. So as a woman, I'm so thankful that because so many women, even today in this liberated society we live in, still have that female guilt of, you know, I have to stay home. Especially like with the girls we work with, um, we do a lot of like our photo shoots and like the extracurricular stuff, which now makes us money. But five years ago, it didn't. And if we were at the salon and, you know, after five or six, because we're not getting paid a lot of times. In the beginning, we weren't. You know, the husbands would be calling. The only time my husband gets worried is if I'm not home by the time he goes to bed, because he doesn't like me to wake him up when I come home, you know? 
But even oh, then, he doesn't get mad at me. It's just more of an irritation, you know. Um, but yes, I'm very fortunate there. He he knows that I'm doing something passionate, and he really supports me in that. And he's he loves that, you know. We we own a business now because of my passion, and um, he he's he's extremely supportive. And if we had kids, we don't have kids like you guys. But I would be confident he would do the same thing. Shout out to Alan. Yep, Alan and AJ. We got good guys. Oh yeah, AJ. Shout out to you too. Boo. So what per pivotal personal or professional failure would you like to share today? Well, I like to call them learning experiences, not failures. Call it whatever you want, girl. It's Failure Friday. Yep, Failure Friday makes, that goes with the theme, but I like to say learning experiences. And honestly, we're talking about, you know, kind of my business and what I've done. I would say, biggest failure learning experience would maybe go in into our business with more intention. I went into my business with, I wanted to make sure me and my business partner could keep the doors open. We're now five years later after having a lot of personal things happen in the first five years and COVID. I am, we're kind of restarting right now. And I'm looking to run my business to where I don't have to keep the doors open. I can run it to where our staff keeps the door open, keeps the door open, which at this point we've built that staff over the past five years. But I would say, I wish I would have gone into it in the beginning and probably talking to somebody like you and would have been probably smart, but where we had just more intention and like we weren't just doing it to get out of the bad situation we were in. We were, we had a full business plan. We did have a business plan when we started, but the business plan we have now is a whole lot different than then. And I wish we'd have sat down maybe and done a little bit more. Um, because in the first three years, I had lost both of my parents and my business partner had two premature babies. Oh. So if we'd have built up a system to where we had like management, and all of that, I wouldn't have felt obligated when my mom and dad were both dying of cancer to be there all the time. And then it caused me to be there all the time to where I had anxiety. And I lost quite a few stylists because I was showing up, but I didn't need to be there. I needed to take that time for myself um, and let somebody else take the reins. But when that was happening, my business partner was having, she had unfortunately had two premature babies, but my parents got sick. I was caretaking for them. So I just, because of not setting things up, I think properly in the beginning, it really took a toll on us. So five years later, I feel like we're starting over. So I want you to elaborate on a little, setting it up correctly. In what ways specifically do you feel like it wasn't set up correctly? Because this is a, a very common theme when businesses first start is they don't, you just don't know what you don't know. So looking back now, what specifically, what does that mean? Um, like I say, I would have probably started with a salon manager that was there to help grow our books and our new stylist books um, and run the staff. So I'm not working next to people and trying to manage them at the same time. Because so a salon manager doesn't do hair? No. Well, what we're transferring into now, where when we first opened, it was, we were irritated with the salon we were at and we were creating something totally different. We were passionate about that creation. 
Um, but like I say, within the first two years, I had lost a parent. She had had her first premature baby. If we'd have had somebody there to run the salon, to give us a chance to maybe, I needed to mourn. I probably, after my dad died, should have taken three months off. Um, I was not somebody that needed to be taking care of six to eight clients a day and trying to manage 12 people. No. So that's what I would have set up different. And I think that is a common one. So that's why I chose this as a topic to talk about because you don't know what's going to happen in the beginning. I never thought six months after we opened a salon, my mom would, would get cancer and six weeks later die. Um, so that was really tough. And so what I did was I focused on running the business. Well, then my dad got sick within six months of my mom dying. So then, and my parents were in North Carolina. So I was up and down 95, taking care of them. I did not go, like, I'm fortunate I have a brother and two sisters. So we did every week. Somebody was with my dad for the year and a half after my mom passed. So every month I was going to North Carolina, I was still trying to run the business. And I really wish we'd have set up systems to where Jessica and I, the business was not depending on us running it. And that person would have probably helped us grow a lot more. Where right now we're focusing on that. And you can't go back and change anything. I don't really regret it. It was a learning experience. Um, I wouldn't let it happen again. Um, but then we had COVID and, you know, it's just, it's been life recently. So we are, we are changing. We're looking at this year as our, our restart, our it is our five-year anniversary, but it's going to be our new five years. Our, like, we're going to totally start over. And I, I think like that's that. good for our girls. Um, and, and honestly, every business should do that. Every year within this past five years, we close for about four or five days between Christmas and New Year's and just clean the salon deep and make sure that the walls are painted and doing all that stuff. Um, but this year, we're really focusing on changing some stuff internally. And like I say, when... When I was trying to run the salon and do go through the hardest time of my life, and Jessica, I could probably speak for her and say the same thing. We didn't need to, and I tried to keep, I tried to take everything on because my parents were leaving this world, but Jessica's kids were entering the world, and I didn't want any pressure to be put on her. She was a mother. I mean, her first child was in ICU, in the, like Nemours ICU yeah. or whatever, NICU for three months. I mean, that baby was born like less than three pounds. So I didn't want her to no. even come in the salon. And my and that's when my dad was, was sick and I was driving up there. So yeah, I would I would definitely put systems in maybe a little bit different. Um and I have that's when somebody I met you. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know that my parents had gotten sick by the last because we went to dinner that one night. Um mm -hmm. and I don't even know if they were Jessica may have been pregnant. I'm not sure. Were you Jessica pregnant at the same time? You may have been. Yes. Uh, I had just found so out I was mom, pregnant. You had. And I think she was pregnant at the same dinner. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah. So those would be things that I would change. Um, but we're learning from them and we're moving on. And, you know, I've been able to do all the fun stuff too. Which long term is what I would like to do full time. And then just help run the salon. So I think that, I mean, I made the same mistake in the beginning because in the beginning for me, it was just all about, I wasn't worried about getting it set up correctly. I was so excited to get out and actually legally have clients now that I was licensed and not, you know, 
be doing it, you know, behind the curtain. But I will say that 20, gosh, was it 2020? My word was transformation. And that was when I really embraced delegation, which was really, really hard for me prior to that year for any business owner, for any any business owner that has OCD or is super married to the concept that they wanna to bring to the table, delegation is so difficult. But for me, fortunately, having I had the funds to properly hire delegation. What would you suggest to someone who maybe has the funds, but if they pay for, how, how do you structure to pay a manager when maybe you're barely profitable or you're just breaking even in the first couple of years of existence. And and that would have been tough for us, but part of their job would have been to help keep the girls' books. I mean, five years later, we just got online booking. <laughs> that could have been set up in the beginning. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's gonna help our newer stylists get busier quicker. Um, so I think I would have delegated more to that position and then had it a sliding scale the more you bring in the business maybe like I don't know exactly Incentive. how to word that but with the growth of the business this is your bonus you know like that kind of work because we didn't have a ton of money we were fortunate enough that we did open the salon with our own cash we did not get a, a loan which now we're looking into buying our own buildings and stuff like that. And we have five years of a business, so it'll be easier for us to get a loan. But in the beginning, I mean, it would have been hard to get the kind of loan we needed to put those things in place. So it could have been done and I, I really wish we would have done it, um, but we learned from it and um, we did have the cash flow to do it. I just put it in other I'd have cut back on some of the other things we did. Maybe um, wouldn't have focused on having as many chairs because we filled the chairs as we went. Mm -hmm. um, and when we started, there were only three of us stylists and we all had an assistant. And two years later, a year and a half later, all of those assistants went on to the floor doing hair. Um, wow. And we good. grew slowly. So we, we obviously now, we started with three stylists and we're up to 12 now um we've kind of cut the we don't call them assistants we call them support staff we are going to continue that program but we're changing it up a little bit because um with the past year it's hard to find people you know like we've had oh. the hardest time finding staff so we're going to do quality over quantity we have raised that where we started most of those girls off at ten dollars an hour plus they got tips where now we're starting them off at fifteen dollars an hour um but i can tell you i'll i'll expect a little bit more because a lot of the girls you know you'd see them on their phones like i don't mind paying more i just I want you to be there to be there not just to make the money right and i think that's really hard to find right now at least i'm I agree. having a hard time with it and all of my clients are having a hard time with that right now yes where i have found success to to rewind back to something you just said is incentivizing people one providing upward mobility to your to your employees whether it's training that will allow them to take on more responsibility within the business that you pay for um, or 
paying them more based on goals that are set that they have to achieve to get a bonus, for example, um, incentives for what they kills, what they eat. I mean, that's, that's how you attract, at least that's how I've found that I can attract the type of employee. And I don't even like calling my employees employees. I like calling them partners because as a small business, having a good employee is pivotal to you scaling to the next level. That's why we don't like to call them assistants. We like to call them, we were calling them support staff, but I think I would like to change that to team member now. Mm -hmm. And um, we're in it, where their position and where I think your business tells you when you naturally need to change. A lot of our support staff had turned into cleaning people. I felt like because some of our girls that were the old support staff were used to having somebody wash all their bowls and do all that stuff. Where in the past six months, we've not really had any. And we've all had to kind of redo ourselves. And I think that's a good thing because I think people were depending on them for things and they wanted to learn. They're not there to just clean. They right. want to be there to learn. And so we have taken a totally different look on the situation. And like I say, it kind of evolved and we didn't even realize what was going on. And they were feeling like they were just cleaners where I would have them help do a half a head of color. I always have my support staff help me do hair color and do stuff like that but not everybody treated them that way. And so some were making them feel more like the cleaning staff opposed to the support staff and team member. So I think we're gonna change it to team member. Um, they're just gonna be there to help us with applying our color and stuff like that. Because realistically, the way our salon set up is I clean up after myself. I don't expect you to shampoo or to clean my bowls, but if you're there, I do want you to be part of the team. Right. Um, and yeah, she may have to change the load of laundry, but we all have to do that. That's something that we're kind of recharging our team on right now and reminding them that we all have to do this stuff. Um, I don't want there to be a seniority. I want it to really be a team. And team's been our, our kind of focus since day one. Just with everything that happened, we maybe missed a few things. And that would have been something if we had that manager set up in the beginning, we would have been better off and they yeah. would have controlled that they would have controlled that stuff not me and Jessica who are going through life-changing events I'm trying to work through those life-changing events being an anxious depressed mess at work and not being approachable um and that that wasn't good that that I definitely learned from that yeah but I would say the difference is that you recognize that and all the issues that you're addressing are really just based on communication. I try, and I'm not perfect, but I try to check in with people that work, that work partners or people that work under me because if the people that are around you aren't happy, you're the one that's gonna suffer because they're gonna leave and then you gotta replace them and there's no one to replace them with. And training is expensive because it takes time. And time, when you're a small business, is money, money, money. And I tried to keep the communications, but I realize now looking back, my I didn't know what anxiety was. And I started obviously after losing my father and my mom had died a year and a half before, like my anxiety level, I didn't know that that's what that was. Um, so realizing, and honestly, I approached like two of the stylists that left 
and like kind of where the bad energy in the salon and once they left I was like oh my god that energy is totally gone I had approached both of them and tried to talk to them and neither one of them responded to me but I realized now it was because when I approached them I was anxious as hell I didn't know that I was coming at them with with anxious energy but looking back I was um and I did give them the opportunity to try to talk to me but I don't think I when I tried to talk to them about it I didn't know that they were planning a salon and opening a salon like without us knowing and for like two months you know I don't know if you've gone through this but I knew something was wrong on top of me mentally not being right I knew something was wrong and honestly I went up to one of them one day and I was like I just I feel like something's going on is there anything you need to talk to me and she's like I'm really worried about you are you talking to anybody and like two weeks later they come in grab all their stuff here in the middle of the night and send us an email and I was like blown away that I didn't pick up on that was going on but I was so involved in myself at the time that I had no clue I mean and and right, rightfully so. I'm not going to beat myself up about that. I honestly glad it happened because you don't need those kind of people in your business. No. And when you're at your lowest and somebody can't see that, that you've gone out of your way for, because both of them, I had really gone out of my, you know, I had done normal things for them, but I looked at them as more than employees. I looked at them as friends also. Um, and I just, I wish I would have had a little support here and then during that time. I don't. I was taking on full responsibilities of running the business and trying to grieve and do everything. And I really should have taken a couple months off um, because I do think my nervous energy is what ran them out of there because I was, I was not mentally stable. I mean, you know, oh, energy, energy is everything. But I do think that I, I think, I don't know if it's a woman thing or if it's a me thing or business owner, maybe a cocktail of all three. I feel like I second guess when I read energy so much more often than I don't because I'm like, oh, you're just being paranoid or over, you're over reading or overreacting. And I think that, and that's not something I've mastered clearly, but I think paying attention to not second guessing our intuition is a, such an important skill to learn. I mean, I'm trying to read books on it right now, um, but that, right, because you're right. You did what you were supposed to do. You approached them and you approached them in the best way you could at that time and were like, hey, it's something's going on. I feel I feel like something's going on. Can you talk? I don't know if your energy was perfect on point, would they have confided in you, but how how do you wish in that scenario they would have talked to you about this? Like what was the proper way? Because I'm sure there's plenty of people. Because honestly, that's the best way to start your own business, guys, is to start in the industry. So what happened to her happens all the time. Oh, it happens. And and I know it's going to happen. I just, you know, it was, it was bad timing in my life. And I think I probably, with depression and anxiety and not taking care of myself, probably made the situation worse. And then they were unhappy. And everybody in this in the salon knew except for Jessica and I and um, so I did pick up on that energy honestly I thought it was one of the other stylists I thought there was another stylist that was unhappy and she was leaving but what I found out later and what I put together she's not actually told me this but what I've put together is she knew what was going on and she was so uncomfortable that's why I thought it was her because she didn't know what to do she didn't know who to be loyal to and I didn't expect her to be loyal to me, 
I hate that they put her in that position that she felt like she wasn't telling us something but she was trying to protect them too she didn't know what to do Um, and it does happen like you said it's gonna happen I just I went to that one stylist that was leaving and, and that day and then the day that they left we were trying to put together a charity event and she had one of the girls has an autistic son and they were trying to get some like harness for their car and I was like we're trying to do a charity event can we that could be our charity event is raising the money for you to get your kid this that would have been another time for her to say you know what Erica we need to talk um but she didn't and Honestly, the way things happen, I like I say, I look at them as learning experiences. And from now on, I will keep open communications. And if I need to be out of the salon because of something going on, I'm just going to leave the salon, you know. And luckily now, hopefully Jessica's kids, my business partner's kids, will be completely healthy. So if anything happens to me, she can take over. It was just a time in our career that neither one of us could really be there. And um, that was a learning experience of trying to get somebody in there to be the manager and and that was two and a half years ago so we're just now three years or two and a half years later trying to prepare for that but we've also had COVID I mean we've obviously this has been a crazy couple years Um, how have you pivoted your business from COVID you know fortunately we are in Florida Um, Mm -hmm. so we were we were only closed for eight weeks um for me, I have quit taking as many clients a day, so there's not as many people in the salon. Um, with that being said, I did go up on my prices because over the past year, I mean, a box of foils, and as a hairdresser, we use a lot of foils, went from $12.99 to $24.99. Um, so unfortunately, we've had to go up on prices with some things, but I'm looking at it as quality with the client, not being rushed as much and not having that second person to help me do everything. Um, so that's one way we've pivoted. We are starting a new training program mid, sometimes in the next couple months. Um, but I don't think I'm gonna go back to booking as many people. Um, I'm gonna focus on training them a little bit more. Um, but yeah, we we've had to we did have microblading in our salon we got rid of that because that's not a service that I know how to do and during the COVID times when we first went back to work unfortunately the microblading girls weren't able to go back to work right away and they felt more comfortable going into a salon where they could be in their own room because of the intimacy of the -hmm. service so we did get rid of microblading and those girls have gone elsewhere um you know we've we've changed things we don't have magazines out but i i don't know that that has anything to do with COVID anymore as people just don't produce magazines anymore we um everybody uses their phone now um you know and we we definitely um i guess probably the pivot is we we take less clients and we try to be more quality over quantity now where before it was getting getting a lot of clients in as quick as we can in and out um but right after covid for probably the first six months i didn't double book at all because we wanted to keep everybody six feet apart we're Mm kind of back in covid where we may need to go back to that um but i think the masks work at this point and um 
you know, like we're going to Costco tomorrow. We, we keep COVID tests at the salon now because it's oh, wow. just, it is what we have to do for our staff members. Um, I'm not going to ask a client to take one. Um, if she's, if they're coughing, we may just give them a mask. Um, but for stylists, I mean, the week of Christmas, we had one stylist that couldn't come in because she, she couldn't find a COVID test. Um, and her roommate had tested positive. So, you know, just try to keep that stuff convenient for our staff members because we want to make sure everybody's safe. Um, no, I, th- I think that's a great idea. I might copy that. Yeah, I mean, girl, when they, <laughs> I can't find a COVID test. Oh, I got some. Come on in. Let's yeah. Go. We'll give you two. Uh, yeah, I bought like the reason that you she probably couldn't find COVID tests is because when we got COVID, I bought like 15 of them from CVS. I had bought a bunch back when the Delta, like back this summer, the same kind of thing happened where people were having a hard time finding them. And so at that point, I bought a bunch and I've just gone through those I'm going to Costco tomorrow. Hopefully they had some have some because the last time we were in there, they did have some big packs of them. But that was also Costco. Yeah, they had them at Costco the last time I was in there, but that was about a month ago. And with everything that's happened over the past couple weeks, I, I don't know that they're going to have them, but I have ordered some on Amazon too. But that's just to keep our staff, you know, like we can't chance somebody coming in. And I mean, at this point, we we had given the mask. The, the masks are optional now where up until about a month and a half ago, two months ago, they were mandatory for everybody. But here in Florida, I just feel like it's your choice at this point. People do not want to wear those masks. That's how I feel. You know, it, it is what it is. I'm the same way if I'm going to take the chance. But if you want to wear your mask, and if my client sits down in my chair and they've got one on, I typically ask them if they are com- if they want me to wear one. Um, and most clients will say yay or nay. I did yeah, have a couple I, ask me if way. I was vaccinated. And I am. But at this point, I don't know that that even matters. Just tell me if you want me to wear one. Yeah, I'm more concerned. I ask a client if they're coming in, um, do you want me to wear a mask? Do you want to wear a mask? I'm fine with either or both, whatever you want me to do. But personally, I'm just, at this point, the mask is probably a better defense than the vaccine. For getting it. I'm not saying for fatality or anything. But for me, COVID, right. for, For me, COVID was more... It was instrumental in me automating, really f- sitting down and focusing on how can I make the experience for my prospect from going from prospect to setting a meeting to becoming a client seamless. So I added technology, I researched technology that could help me achieve that. And I think that made my business so much stronger, just focusing on what tech is available and what tech is the cheapest that can help me create a sales funnel that is both beneficial to me and the prospects. So, so for example, having a link. So for paperwork, people can just go in, it's a secure link, they put in all their personal information and I can just, that just goes right on the forms that I need them to sign. That, uh, sending them a link so that they're not talking back and forth with my uh, assistant on scheduling a meeting. Here, here's my calendar, what time works for you? Like simple, you would think that'd be a no brainer, but really sitting down and being like, all right, again, delegation, what do I need to give to a human being so that there's still a human connection in this? And what can I give to a freaking app 
that will make this less stressful for everyone. And I really think, yeah. You could pretty much do it all over technology, right? I mean, do you ever yes. have to meet them in person anymore? Well, I personally, for a, per, for a client, and this is just me, I can't speak for other people. For me, I pay so much attention to body language and eye contact. That first meeting, because my business, particularly what I do, because we're blessed to where I get to do this because I enjoy it and not because I have to feed my family, I'm so particular on, on now on who I bring into my practice that having that first meeting before I bring you on as a client is so important to me that it's in person, um, especially that energy, if that energy is important. Yes, because a toxic client, I, I tell this to my, my business owner clients, you are one toxic client away from losing everything. A hundred percent. It takes one lawsuit, one misunderstanding to turn into, to blow up. You have to protect your energy, your personal energy, just like you protect your business energy. It takes one person. And for us, a lot of times, you know, I'm booking people through text message. Um, you can, I hate to say this, but you can a lot of times tell in the way they approach you on text message on how their energy is going to be. Every now and then I'm, I'm wrong and I'm pleasantly surprised or the other way. Um, but yeah, meeting in person, I, I, I see why, why if it sounds like a really toxic, questionable client, let's use that. I make them come in for a consultation. I won't book them without actually meeting them. But a lot of my clients, I do book over text message. Um, is that yeah, the technology you had after COVID? No, we've done the online booking after COVID because we realized, um, that that's and, and that's just something we should have done in the beginning COVID or not well i didn't do it so you're right i did i made the same mistake it's a game changer i i just i i am so busy and i've actually quit posting as much on social media because if i go a couple weeks posting every day on social media my new clientele off social media is crazy um so now that we have a link that i can just send them i'm, I'm going to start again because that's where I keep my girls busy. The girls at the, or the stylist at the salon is my spillover. I have, I've been fortunate enough. I've built a name in the area that I get referrals from clients, but then also from my social media. Um, mm -hmm. So I tried to really, I needed to be able to send them a link opposed to, would you like to go to Tara today? Or, you know, like that back and forth. I can't do anymore. My, like, over the weekend, sometimes I won't respond. If I get a text on Saturday afternoon, I respond on Monday morning because I like to make sure my Saturdays and Sundays are for me and my husband, but clients don't always understand that. No. So they think you're blowing them off. Um, so now that was another helpful thing to, to, to make that happen. Um, I just got to the point that I was so busy and I was always on my phone um, that I needed it to be a little bit more convenient for me um, because I'm never off. No. So, um, with my recommendation to you would be to get a separate number that gets an that sends an automated message that says, "Hey, here's a link to my calendar. Book through here on Saturdays and Sundays." I would. But the problem with the automated booking, and this is important for people who have already made this transition or are about to, is 
you don't know exactly who you're booking. So a lot of times you get, you're not really vetting your client as much. So one thing I added in the last six months that has made a world of a difference is before you book an appointment with me, you have to answer 10 questions. And that sounds absurd, but that means that you're not going to answer those 10 questions unless you're serious about having an appointment with me. And a lot of stylists in our industry do that. It's like it's a pre-vet for, there's a, awesome. there's a name for it. Um, I don't know the name for it, but it was stylists. great. And um, uh, I, I, that, I really like, like that's one thing with them texting me, I could normally kind of fill them out through the text yeah. message um where if they go online but i also am booked out about eight weeks so if they're gonna be really high maintenance clients they're probably not gonna wait the eight weeks to get in with me um so that helps vet out some of that too for sure that's great though so that spillover do you usually pass it on to your stylist and how do you organize who you pass who you spill over to is it based on their need depending on what they ask for. We definitely have some stylists that are stronger and we've got two junior stylists right now that are focusing on curly hair. Both of them have natural textured curly hair. Um, so they're taking a lot of our, our textured clients because we do have a huge, like you found us online for your, for your nanny. Um, mm -hmm. We have a huge texture clientele. Um, so we, we put a lot of people with them. I have one girl that's a vivid girl. Um, she likes the bright colors and she can do corrective color because if you can do all those crazy vivid colors, you can typically do corrective color. Um, so I put certain people with her. I like all of my stylists to focus on one thing, but still educate themselves on everything else. And with the salon, we provide education once a month with an outside educator. And then we do like your basic balayage, your basic haircutting, your consultation, Jessica, my business partner, and I will put in and do those classes every month. Um, just the basic every everyday things that even our senior stylists need to be reminded of. And our stylists are independent contractors, so we can't force them to come to any of this stuff, but we really go after the kind of stylist that wants that kind of education. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, the kind of stylist that's just paying their bills our salon's probably not going to be the home for them. No, I think that, but that's a huge value add. I would suggest maybe adding a sales class as well. That's one thing I'm going to start doing. Even for myself, I'm not perfect at it either. I could always use a tune-up, but having everyone do it as a team is you just can't beat that. Product knowledge. I forget. Like the other day I was dusting the products and as I was dusting them, I was reading. You know, you have to dust your, your shelves once a month. And I was reading, I was like, oh, I forgot about this product. This is great for this. So yeah, that's as much a sales class, just being educated on what we have in our salon as a, to sell. Um, and then obviously upselling yourself with treatments. And you know, there's a lot of different things in the beauty industry people could up, upsell. Yeah, there's a, there's just a lot to, talk to go on there. Talking to your client confidently. Like when, I, I don't ever, when I approach selling them shampoos, I, so what are you using for shampoo? You know, I, I do it in a, well, when you're done with that, I have this great product you can try. I go about it a natural approach opposed to like, I have worked with stylists that are just trying to get that sale, which is great. Um, but I think 
if they feel like you're really trying to help them opposed to sell them, that's huge too. Because everybody needs a leave-in conditioner. But you've probably never used, I mean, you may not have ever used one. You know, not a lot of people know about it. Our textured girls all know about it now because that's really big in the in the textured hair community. But a leave-in conditioner is great for anybody, for heat protection, mm-hmm. for anything. Um, so it's just knowing your product and knowing how to use it properly, and it's going to sell itself. I definitely don't use a leave-in conditioner. But oh, I should. You you, you could wear your hair curly, too, because you got some curl in there. Yeah, well, I'll have to revisit that. I, I'm very bad with my hair, but... It always looks nice when I see it. I like that little bob you got going. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, getting back on track. In what ways has the failure that we have discussed shaped your behaviors, your psychology today as a business owner? It really made me self-reflect. Um, I think if you can't self-reflect, you're probably a little bit of a narcissist. Um, but learning from it, moving on, and, and owning where I could have changed things. Um, and like I say, learning from it, I think that's huge. Um, but not letting it beat me down either. Because um, I think at the time that it was all happening, if I would let it beat me down, I would have I mean, I would have easily hit rock bottom. I was, I was pretty low, but I think it was a normal low. It was the grieving I needed yeah. to go through at the time. Um, so yeah, just reflecting, owning your mistakes, and learning from them, and moving on. In particular, how were you self-reflecting? Like, were you writing? Did you have a, a focus group or a group of people? I had to get a therapist. Um, no shame in that game. You know, I think we all could use it. Um, I'm not, I'm more of a holistic than a medicine person. So I've tried some holistic things, um, and really just tried to focus on myself. There's this one podcast that I think I listen to every day. It was, um, Melissa something. It's the, um, mind love podcast. That girl has no idea how much she helped me on top of a therapist I think I listen to her podcast every day and she taught me about an empath and like I do believe I I pull off other people's energies and I pick up on things and I just really kind of educated myself on who I think I am um or who I who I am and learning to love myself opposed to hating and because I made fun of myself for a lot of my faults um where now I realize that showed a little bit of weakness where now I I own my faults and I've just learned from them. Like I made fun of myself for not being very smart. And one of my mentors was like, Erica, you have got to stop that. And I was like, yeah, but if I don't make the joke, somebody else is going to make it. He's like, you just need to own it. It's who you are. Um, So I I did a lot of self-reflecting and owning myself and not being ashamed of some of my weaknesses and using them as superpowers, not to bring them. Mm, Yeah, you're definitely speaking to my, my choir right now. That's where I'm at. I have always struggled with having this really strong, unfiltered personality and in circles with men, it's always it's always cool. It's why I always had so many guys friends, but it makes navigating female relationships so 
stressful for me because I have to think about what I'm going to say. I have to make sure I don't come off too strong. We well, are so alike there. Oh, it's, it's something that right now, because this year I focused on being more social amongst the wives community, because I found that a lot of the football wives that I had become close with, which weren't many, are, you know, having babies or their husbands are retiring. And I found myself feeling really lonely. So I was like, I need to make some friends, but it is so hard for me because I'm constantly questioning of, oh, did I come off too strong? Or is what I just said not palatable to the conversation? Or are, when I leave, are they gonna talk about how I just totally had my, I had no filter, my personality is too strong. So yes, I need to listen to that because it's a struggle. I do, I think a lot of people respect that side of me. But one thing I have learned recently is not everybody needs to know my opinion or my ideas on things where I just will blurt that out. Me too. And I never mean it in a bad way, but they don't need to know how I feel about that situation. Like what just is wrong with listen us? a little bit more. What is wrong with us? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Did you find out yet? <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I think you and I have always collected because of that but I realize how intimidating that is to other people and mostly women I, I do um, but I am working on the same thing because I don't want to be like that's what happened after my parents died is I was so strong and I was so direct and I scared people I feel like and yes. nobody felt like they could approach me and say Erica are you okay they just sat in the back room, talked shit, and then left, you know? Yep. Where if I'd have been a little bit more approachable, I'd have probably been a little better off. But, you know, you live and you learn, and you can only do better from there there on out. I feel that. I will say it is refreshing when you get around a similar personality because it's just like you could, <sighs> okay, I don't have to watch everything I'm saying right now. But, yeah, that is um, really good feedback. And I want to thank you so much for being vulnerable today and sharing with us so much about your business. We're going to tag you, the business. Uh, I want to tag this podcast. I'm speaking to my marketing person who's not even here right now, but he will tag the podcast. Mind Love Mindset is what you said? It was just the Mind Love Podcast. Mind Love Podcast. The girl's name is Melissa something. She's had a baby now, so she's kind of, I mean, she's still on the Mind Love and the self self-care um, but she's definitely focusing on new motherhood and stuff like that so I don't relate as much to her as I used to but at the time she really dug me out her she spoke to you yeah she spoke to me hardcore um, now I'm on to more Gary V and other stuff that's <laughs> you know trying to trying to get my business going I love um, Gary V Oh, I love him. I just read his book. It's the greatest book. It's a good book. So, which, which one? one? Uh, uh, 12 and a half is the newest one. I just downloaded the other one, the one that came out in 2019, Crushing It, I think is that one. So that's going to be the next one I, I listen to. I don't read. Being dyslexic, it would take me forever. But listening to a podcast or a book, I can do easy. But you're dyslexic and ADHD, so how do you listen to it and not trail off? I'm ADHD, so listening to stuff, like I'm constantly rewinding. I do have to rewind. Don't think I don't. Um, I do it. I bike ride a lot for exercise. So 
I don't listen. I listen to music all day at work, so I don't listen to any music. I typically are either listening to a podcast or a book. So if I have to hit the go back, I do that. And I'm planning on honestly listening to the spirit, the 12 and a half book. I'm going to listen to it again. I'm going to listen to Crushing at first and then go back to that. Yeah, um, that's good advice. We'll have to too. I think with AD, ADD, it, it, I can always listen to it and you're going to always get new ideas out of it. That is the beauty of it, right? You can totally revisit things and get a whole new message because you missed 60% of it the first time. <laughs> I, I was very happy. I mean, I've listened to, I've listened to probably 10 books. Um, I'm not obviously a reader, but his books, I mean, I went through that in like three days. Just oh, wow. all my working out. So, and I think that was a five and a half hour book. Um, mm -hmm. So I would work out and then while I was getting ready, I was listening to it. Um, the next time I probably will take a few notes. I didn't take any notes this time. Oh yeah, on his books, there's so much information you have to. Oh my God, I was texting Alan things constantly like, we gotta try this. He's probably like, shut up. FHIs, is that what my big, his big thing is right now? Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of like the artistic side of crypto or something where you can sell like your photos and videos and stuff online now. It's a whole new. It's so much. It's so much information. Like I feel like whenever I listen to Gary Vee, I have a to-do, I'm adding to my to-do list. I'm like, wait, this is not the purpose. Could you imagine just being in a room with him? The energy would be so strong. I would have to take a Vyvanse like right before. But I'd love it. But he would scare a lot of people. I'd love to go work with him for a day. Oh, for sure. I'd love to go to a bar with him. I'd probably have to smoke a little weed and, you know, kind of glow yeah. layer down a little bit. But, you know. Well, hopefully he would too. I mean, Jesus. But okay, everyone. That is, <laughs> that is our episode of Failure Friday. This is Erica Keelan. And Thanks, Kendall. You're welcome. Obviously, we uh, have a lot to talk about. This is one of my longer episodes, which is great. It goes to show the vibe. Um, we have again, to together soon. Oh, please do. I mean, I don't know. You're you're busier than I am. You Do you even take weekends off? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I take my Saturdays and Sundays off, my husband. I mean, I've learned boundaries at this point. I have. I know what I have to do for myself reading a book on that right now it's another area but we'll talk about that on another friday but okay thank you for joining so us let's connect offline and definitely hang out soon um and check out check out studio sage guys you won't be disappointed all right have a good night you too bye baby night.